You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. consult someone else instead of God, especially a fly. Why would you look at a fly and go, what should I do? But this is what people do, intelligent people, people who reject the one true living God. You know, man was born to worship. And if you're not worshiping the one true living God, you're going to worship anything else that that seems fitting to you. Many people reject the worship of God and they do stupid things. They, They do stupid things when they reject the worship of God. When they reject the one true God, they do stupid and foolish things. Have you ever found yourself torn between what's written in the Bible and what an authority tells you to do? In today's message, Pastor Dave speaks about examples of conformity to physical authority in the Bible and how while we are called to submit to our authorities, that submission is never allowed to overrule God's commandments. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 1 as he begins his message, Transformers, Not Conformers. You are Second Kings. All right, this is exciting. Uh, let's pray. Most gracious Father, we come again before you. You've brought us so close to you, Lord. You've heard our cries. And now, Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts. Lord, we want to receive from you anything that is on your agenda for tonight. Lord, we don't want to limit you, but we want to be open to your spirit to guide us through these passages, to speak words of life into our hearts, Lord. Oh, how we want to be more like you, Lord, how we want to learn of you and grow close to you. So, Lord, we say, Spirit, have your way. Have your way in us tonight. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord. Blessed to your name, Lord. We're excited to begin a new book. And help us, Lord, to learn as we go along and apply that we might know you better and walk the walk that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. So preparing for a new book is always a lot of fun. And I try to study the information to kind of give an overview and an, and, and, and an introduction to this great book, Second Kings. And as I was studying this week, it's interesting that I came across this quote by Billy Graham. And he says this quote, The Christian life is not a way of life, but a way through life. I think that's interesting. It's not a way of life, but a way through life. And I thought that was very interesting. I, thought it, I found it to be insightful for what we're looking at today. And the reason I think it's insightful is that God doesn't save us and then hide us away until he takes us to heaven. God doesn't choose to save us and then tuck us under a pillow or under a bed, and then when we're ready to go to heaven, quickly take us up there. In Scripture, we read that We were created in Christ for good works. We're God's workmanship. We're his handiwork, his poema. We are are his his blank canvas that he paints our lives on. We're created in good works, and it says, which God has prepared for us to walk in. God has prepared these works for us to walk in. So with that in mind, we know that God first saves us, and then he places us in the middle of challenges, 
He places us in the middle of circumstances. He places us in the middle of afflictions and maladies and and various trials and temptations. And he expects us then in the midst of those things to make a difference. He expects us in the midst of those things to transform these challenges, these circumstances, these maladies and things into his glory and to bring him joy in the midst of this. And according to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, you know the verses because we've studied them before. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we surrender to the world around us, we become conformers. If we surrender to the world's ideas, to the world's what the world is doing, we become conformers. But if we yield to the Holy Spirit, if we yield to the Holy Spirit and dare to be different, we actually become transformers. And God uses us then to accomplish his will. God wants to use us. He wants us to be transformers. Not that we're all going to bake cars and things and turn it. No. Let's see how many of you have young kids. Got the transformer joke. Anyhow. Why have I told you this? It's a good question. The book of two kings describes what happened when a people conform. When the conformers take over the nation. As we study the book of 2 Kings, we're going to see the end of the northern kingdom of Samaria what is called Israel. The Assyrians are going to take it over. And the end of the southern kingdom because Judah is going to be carried away for 70 years to Babylon. Why did this happen? How could this possibly happen to God's people? It's because both kingdoms rebelled against the covenant of the Lord. And they became like the idolatrous people who surrounded them in the various nations. They became conformers, not transformers. The Lord wants us to be transformers, not conformers. And as we come to 2 Kings, it's basically a continuation of 1 Kings, and that makes a lot of sense. Jeroboam and Ahab are dead, but sadly, many of the kings were following their lead instead of the example that was set for them by David. They were not following David's lead. They were following after other gods. We talked about that in 1 Kings. But God continued to send messengers to them. He continued to send men, prophets, if you will, to call them back to his word. Elijah and Elisha, which we will study more of in 2 Kings. And he placed kings who also followed his commands and kept his his precepts. We're going to read of kings like uh, Jehoash, Hezekiah, and Josiah. Kings who kept God's word, who did right in the sight of the Lord. But in 2 Chronicles, in chapter 36, 15 through uh, 16, we read an explanation of what actually happened. It says this in 2 Chronicles 36, 15 and 16. But the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them, because he had compassion on his people and on the dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God. They despised God's work and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. 
You can only go against God for so long. You can only come against God and rebel against God for so long. This is one thing that scares us about our beautiful, wonderful United States of America. How many more babies do we have to kill before God decides to do something? We're rebelling against God. We, I mean, the nation is rebelling against God. And it's blatant. It's a blatant rebellion. How long will God hold back? Well, then we don't know. But when a society is in moral and spiritual darkness, God's people need to be the light. God's people need to be the ones who help to show the way to God, to show the light of the world. Christ said, you're the light of the world. We are the light of the world. And he were to shine that light into the darkness. Why? So that people will see God. If you're living exactly like the world lives, how can people see God in you? When you're living exactly as the world lives, and then all of a sudden you profess to, profess to be a Christian, what do people see? A hypocrite. And they've got plenty of hypocrites that they can hang around with. They don't need one more professing Jesus Christ. So when a society is decaying because of sin, people, God's people need to be salt. Salt is a preserving agent. We must be different from the world. Go against the flow. We have to take a stand for righteousness. And in the beautiful book of Philippians, in chapter 2, Paul addresses this. In chapter 2, in verses 14 and 16, Paul addresses this. He says this, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain and labored in vain. We're to shine the light of Christ in the midst of the dire circumstances, in the midst of the problems. The hour has come, church, and is slowly passing away. God is looking for people to be alert to his voice and obedient to his will. He has asked us to be distinctive. He asked us to be different. He's asked us to be transformers, not conformers. So we need to keep this in mind as we begin chapter 1 of 2 Kings. And as we begin this beautiful chapter, as we begin this beautiful book, we find that Ahab the king is dead. Ahab is dead, and his son Azahiah is now on the throne. But he doesn't last very long. Look at the end of 1 Kings 22, I think it is. The end of 1 Kings 51. Azahiah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel sin. For he served Baal and worshiped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. So this doesn't forebode well for this guy. He only reigns two years. And one of the reasons he doesn't reign after that is because he dies. God's judgment comes against them. And that's what we see today. His reign lasts two years. It's because he provoked the anger of God. Look at verse 1. Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. The reign of Ahab was a spiritual disaster for the nation. It was a complete spiritual disaster. He and his wife Jezebel 
basically forced people to worship Baal, a foreign god, even after Elijah killed all the prophets of Baal. Even after all those things that happened, they still would not relent. They still would not repent and come back to the Lord God Jehovah. They insisted upon pushing their beliefs on the people. But even though it was a time of spiritual disaster, it was a time of political security and economic prosperity. God will allow a place to prosper in the midst of sin. You know, David wrote a lot about in the Psalms, how come these guys are getting all the good stuff and I'm getting hammered? And God said, don't worry about it, they'll get theirs. <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. But once Ahab was dead, Moab decided that they were going to make a move. They were going to take advantage of this young king that was just crowned. Moab had been defeated in 2 Samuel 8. David had subdued them. David had put them under Israel rule. But now, in the northern kingdom, there's, a, there's an advantage here. There's an opening here. So Moab rebels. They come against Israel. Remember, now, you have to remember all these names. There'll be a quiz. You have to remember all these names. The northern kingdom is Israel, but it's also called what? Samaria. It's Israel, but it's also called Samaria. So no two names are interchangeable. All right. The southern kingdom is called Judah. Okay. We get that straight. Hang on to that because it's going to get crazy when we get down to the end of the study. It's going to get real wild. So King Azahiah, Azahiah, Azahiah. Ahaza, Ahaza, yeah, that's him too. Decided to stay home instead of going to battle. Now, when I first read this, that he decided to stay home and go into battle, what was the first thing that came to your mind? Anybody? Thank you. Good call. Came to my mind. You read my mind. That's not good. That's what came to my mind. Remember, David got in trouble with Bathsheba. Why? Because he didn't go to war. He stayed home. So here you have Azahiah. I'm going to butcher that name. I had it right the first time. Now I can't even say it. Anyhow, who? Ahaziah. Thank you. I'll butcher it again. The king of Israel, the, the, the king of Israel stayed at home. He thought he could just lounge around and be at home, but God obviously had other plans. Let's read two and three. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? So Ahaziah is injured and he falls down. And the first thing he does is he wants to get his guys to go seek Baalzebub, this guy. Obviously these he wasn't convinced by his mother and father that it was the Lord God Jehovah who should be worshipped. He wasn't convinced. He was following the pattern of his mother and his father. Remember what it says in verse 52 of 1 Kings 22? Talking about Azahiah, he said, He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother. So they had this huge, huge influence on them. See, this is a caution to parents. You have a huge influence on your children. You have an enormous influence on your children, whether you are influencing them rightly or you're influencing them wrongly. But we have this influence on our children. But Ahab and Jezebel had not been convinced even after the great victory of, of, of uh, Elijah. They didn't convert, and they didn't let any of their family convert either. 
Azahiah walked in the ways of his mother and father and his children, his children, it's, it's a sad thing. So Azahiah turns to Baal, not to the Lord God, Jehovah. He turns to Baal for help. So I wrote this, what's in a name? Well, we know that Jehovah is the becoming one. Jehovah means the becoming one. He is the one true living God. We know that. What does Baal mean? It simply means Lord, small l. But Josephus makes this pretty interesting comment. Devout men in the northern kingdom of Israel changed the name and ridiculed the false god by calling him Baal Zabel, meaning Lord of the Dung, and Baal Zabub, meaning Lord of the Flies. Interesting. Lord of the Flies. Ring a bell to anybody? Not the movie. <laughs> Matthew 10, 25. This is what they called Jesus. They insulted him by calling him this. They called him this in, in Matthew 10, 25. They called him the Lord of the Flies, Baal Zabub. They called him this. Interesting stuff. So he says, go seek this guy. Go seek this guy. I want to know. The Lord once again calls Elijah. Now, you never know where Elijah is, but I love this guy. He just kind of pops up, and then he does his thing, and then he pops out, and then he comes back. I love this guy. He's kind of like a freelancer, you know? He probably said, you need me, Lord? Okay, I'll be there, and he's there, you know what I mean? The Lord had him on speed dial, so he got that there. I love it. I love the fact that the Lord, and he says, go meet these guys. Go meet them. And he's supposed to ask them this question. I love this question. I really do. He says, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal Zebub, the God of Ekron? Is there no God in Israel? Aren't you worshiping God? You're supposed to be God's chosen people. You're supposed to be Jewish. You're supposed to be a, 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 a royal nation. And, and you're choosing to go there? It is a good question. This just shows how far they had fallen. Shows how far they had fallen into debauchery. Just how far Ahab and Jezebel took the people and their own children away from God. It was a great question that Elijah asked. Why would you want to consult someone else instead of God, especially a fly? Why would you look at a fly and go, what should I do? But this is what people do, intelligent people, people who reject the one true living God. You know, man was born to worship. And if you're not worshiping the one true living God, you're going to worship anything else that, that seems fitting to you. Many people reject the worship of God, and they do stupid things. They, they do stupid things when they reject the worship of God. When they reject the one true God, they do stupid and foolish things. David said in Psalm 53, 1, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And they do foolish things. Can you imagine worshiping a fly? Give me a break. And then you're calling it Lord? Well, when Paul wrote to the Romans, he gives us little insight to this kind of a man. The man, quote, who knew, who when he knew God, failed to glorify him as God. Neither was he thankful, therefore his heart was foolish and darkened. This is what we see. Now, I'm sure, I know Ahab knew the Lord Jehovah. I'm not sure of Jezebel, because she was a pagan woman. And I don't know about Azahiah, if he heard anything from his father Ahab, but Ahab was the man who knew God, but failed to glorify him as God. And look what happens. And then it tells, back in, in, in Romans 1, 20, 1 and 25, it says, Paul says that this person, this person who knows God, but doesn't glorify him as God, worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Mr. Fly, what should I do? Oh, Mr. Fly. I mean, come on. 
One commentator I studied said this, so King Azahiah did not seek help from the real God, therefore he will get no real help. (laughs) Instead, this will be an occasion for the real God to send a message of judgment against King Azahiah. When we seek other, when we seek something other than the one true God, we will get no help. Now, a lot of the commentators I studied went so far as, what's the first reaction when you get sick? I got to call the doctor or do you pray? What's your first reaction? They are liking that to this, take it or leave it. But I'm liking it to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added as you seek first the kingdom of God. But instead of getting help, Azahiah gets judgment pronounced. It's judgment day for Azahiah. Look at verse four. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up but you shall surely die. And Elijah departed. I love this guy. I really like Elijah. Comes in, boom, you're going to die. Boom, he's gone. Elijah's cool. He delivers a message and he bolts. He's gone. I love it about that. He, he always leaves as quickly as he came. So then these messengers want to deliver Elijah's message to the king. Look at five and six. And when the messengers returned to him, he said to them, why have you come back? So they said to him, a man came up to meet us and said, go return to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, it is because, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Baal Zebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. I love it. I love the king's response. I love the king's response in verse 7. Then he said to him, what kind of man was it who came to you to meet you and told you these words? What kind of man was this? Who told you this? Did he, did he have a notion that it might be Elijah? Did he, was he kind of thinking, who told you this? I want to know. Because he knows there's false prophets everywhere. See, he knows who God is. What, what kind of man told you this? <laughs> Their response, a hairy guy. <laughs> Look at verse 8. So they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. And then the king said, is it Elijah the Tishbite? He's a hairy man. Does this remind you of anybody? A hairy guy? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Why does it remind us of? Because John the Baptist ministered in the spirit and power of Elijah. Jesus' own words. Elijah was not bare-chested and full of hair. He probably had a camel hair jacket or some sort on. The king recognized him immediately. It's Elijah. He remembers what happened. He remembers all those things. So he sends his captains to fetch Elijah. This wasn't a good idea. He tells his guys, go out and get this man and bring him to me. I want to see him. Let's look at 9 through 12. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50 men. So he went up to him, and there he was, sitting on the top of a hill. And he spoke to him, man of God, the king has said, come down. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Then he sent it to him another captain of 50 with his 50 men. And he answered and said to them, man of God, thus says the king, come down quickly. So Elijah answered and said to them, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. You are Our time with you today has come to an end on a sure hope. 
But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 2 Kings. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We gather each week for a time of worship and Bible study. Our service times are Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609 609- 884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more details. If you prefer email, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 2 Kings. We're looking forward to the next edition as Pastor Dave will share more from this Old Testament book about the rise and fall of many kings. There are lessons to be learned about leaders who were just people. May what you hear give you a sure hope.